Today on the Heartland Community Church Podcast, lead pastor Eric Parks brings part four of the series titled Desert Sessions. This message is titled, How Do You Hear God When Hope Seems Lost? You know, it was, uh, it was a few years ago that daily, our oldest, got accepted into college and um, she decided to go to school down in California, Southern California. And we had planned this road trip to get her off to school. So we woke up, this was uh, August of 2016, woke up early that morning, packed up. And, and when I go on road trips, one of the things I like to do is I like to get going early. I don't know if any of you are road trippers, like dads that are road trippers. Like I wanna get going before the sun gets up, right? So I had this whole plan. We've been doing road trips from Colorado to Rockford and it's about the same distance. It's 16 hours going the other direction. So I'm like, look, we're gonna get up at two, gonna um, start driving, and then when the sun comes up, I'm like, Chrissy, you take over driving, and then I'll sleep for a little bit, and then I'll bring us home. Like, that's how, that's how it rolls. So the, the, the drive is gorgeous, because you're driving down, you know, you come out of the mountains on I-70, then you hit I-15, and you head towards, um, you know, the Pacific coast, and there's a ton of desert through Utah, Nevada. So sun comes up, I do my plan, we get in the car too, sun comes up, um, we're somewhere in the desert of Utah, and um, I'm like, all right, Chrissy, you take over. So we pull over, I get into the back of the car, I fall asleep. Now, I'm only asleep what seems like about 15 minutes, or it didn't seem very long. When I hear a commotion at the front of the car, like, I'm sort of like one of those light sleepers, you know, where like, you know, especially when Chrissy's driving, she's fine, no, no problem with her driving necessarily, but... You know, I'm a little light sleeper. I hear some commotion at the front of the car. So I kind of poke my head up and I can tell between her and Daly, something's not right, right? They're trying to keep it quiet. And I keep hearing Chrissy going, Shh, don't say, don't say, don't say anything. And I went, don't, don't say what? Don't say what? And she's like, oh, oh, oh no, nothing, Eric. Everything's fine. And um, we're beginning to pull off the road. And I'm like, okay, what'd you do? What'd you run over? What'd you hit? Who'd you hit? <laughs> she goes, no, 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 it, it's fine, it's fine. She goes, okay, well, it's not really fine. I'm like, well, wh wh what's happening? She said, well, okay, so uh, when we pulled off um, and we pulled back on, you, you know, like, how we're supposed to be heading west? I've been driving east. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, well, there was, what, for 15 minutes? She's like, well, well, for an hour and a half. <laughs> I mean, you've been driving east for an hour and a half? She's like, yeah. I'm like, what were you, what were you doing? Didn't you see the little signs? And it says, like, it says east. It doesn't say west. And she's like, well, I know there's another problem. I'm like, what? We're almost out of gas. I'm like, we're almost out of gas? She's like, yeah. I'm like, so we've been driving east, and we're almost out of gas. I'm like, Chrissy, this is a problem. Because you remember that sign that says on I-15, no gas stations for about 152 miles? She's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, we're like the children of Israel. We're just driving around in a circle. You know? She's like, I know, I know. Why are you so mad? I'm like, why am I so mad? I'm like, Chrissy, look around. We're in a desert. People die in deserts. Well, the good news was we were able to find a gas station and we were able to turn around, but it's funny to me what happens in deserts because the truth is when you're in those moments, right, 
and you sit at the edge of like sand and those massive open spaces, they can be both beautiful and terrifying, right? Especially if you're running out of gas. See, this is, this is interesting to me because I think when we think about deserts, one of the things that made me feel so powerless in that moment, and I think that makes many of us feel powerless when we look at deserts in our life as a metaphor for life, is that so often deserts have this ability to make us feel powerless because they're so big and expansive and dry. Deserts are the place too often that we think that things go to die, right? That, that, that's what we think about deserts. And so we've been looking in this series, is that true? Is deserts, is that where we go to die? Or is it possible that we, through the desert seasons and desert sessions of our life, can not only learn how to survive deserts, but how to thrive in deserts? Because this is what is also true of deserts, is that there is actually life in the desert. That much of our lives are lived through desert seasons. And that you and I, that we can make it. We cannot just make it, we can thrive. And, and that's why this message today, in the middle of this Desert session series, is so important to me personally. Because I don't think there's a thing that makes humans feel more powerless than depression. Now let me, let me talk to you for a minute. We're gonna have like real talk. We're gonna talk about despair, depression, anxiety today. And I wanna say, one, one in four people in our country suffer from a mental disorder of some sort. And during COVID, we know this for a fact, that depression, the rates have tripled. So if you've never experienced depression before COVID, which could be described as the greatest collective desert we've ever gone through, right? If you haven't experienced before COVID, you might have during. And so let me say this about what we're gonna talk about. Number one. This is a real talk about depression, mental health. Number two, if you struggled with mental health issues, let me tell you what this place will be. It will be a safe place for people who struggle with mental health issues. Number three, therapy, qualified counseling, medication, that can be a big part of the healing process. And let me tell you what today is not. Today is not me trying to pretend or create a quick fix because that isn't what we're going to do is try to create a quick fix. Rather, if you're struggling through depression in this season, my hope is that you'll leave here understanding this, that this place is with you. We're with you. Now in this season, um, I'm gonna be really transparent that we have depression and anxiety that runs in our house, in the Parks house. And so I'm gonna share some stories. And for those of you that are like, wait a minute, 
pastors don't have this stuff. I thought pastors had it all together. I'm like, yeah, you shouldn't have hired me. Um, I'm gonna be straight with you this morning. And I wanna, I wanna tell you some things that I've learned in this desert season called COVID. Because for all of us, I don't think we really know the, the, the weight that this has caused all of us. I think we're gonna learn over the next year what this last year has meant. I actually believe that. I think probably for lots of us, we've gotten through this and we're almost through this. But I don't know if we fully understand. But I do, I do believe that there's been a few things that I've learned that I wanna share. And I wanna ground it in a story that just, I think perfectly illustrates a process that we can go through that I think is helpful. When we find ourselves in seasons of despair or depression, a little reminder that's helpful. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Kings chapter 18. So like if you have your Bible, you can like flip it in half and then go to the left about halfway. You're gonna fall right about Kings, right around in there, all right? It's in the Old Testament. And I wanna talk about a story about a prophet named Elijah. I'm gonna give you backstory on Elijah before we get to his story of despair. Number one, Elijah was a prophet. He was a prophet for the northern kingdom of Israel. Now, Israel at this time had been divided into two kingdoms, northern and the southern. He was a prophet for the northern kingdom. The king of, northern, of the northern province was a king named Ahab. Now, Ahab was someone who used to believe the way that Elijah believed, but he married a lady named Jezebel, and um, he took up Jezebel's faith. She, was, she believed in Baal. And over time, they, they, Ahab couldn't make up his mind whether they were a country that followed God or a country that followed Baal because of Jezebel. And, and, and Elijah finds himself being one of the few people that's willing to challenge the king and say, hey, look, there's a lot of stuff that's going wrong in our country. I think we gotta get back to what we know is right. So he calls out Ahab. The king says, you're a troublemaker. And, Ahab, and, and Elijah goes, look, here's the deal. Can we just settle this once and for all? I'm tired of doing this by myself. Can we settle this once and for all? It's either follow God or follow Baal. Either way, can you just make a decision, king? And so the king said, yes. Elijah challenges the prophets of Baal to this great contest. Now, I'm not gonna go into the entire contest because that's not the point of this talk. But let's just say this. The Bible tells us in 1 Kings 18, 46, that the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. So he shows up and God shows out and it's unreal, right? Like it is a moment that is marked in time. Like this is probably for Elijah, pinnacle moment of his entire life. Everything he's worked for, everything he said to be true about God. God shows up. And yet, after the biggest moment in his life, like the greatest success he could ever have, like this proves everything that he's ever said is like his greatest moment. It's like the big raise, the big promotion, that big thing. Everybody would be looking at Elijah and saying, that guy must have it all together. He's got to have it figured out. In the next chapter, days from the greatest moment, the biggest success, that guy finds himself sitting under a tree saying this, 
1 Kings 19.4, right? We were in 18. Right in the next chapter, he says, it is enough now, O Lord. Take away my life. I'm not better than my father's. He had the greatest success in his whole life. Greatest success. In our terms, this would be like getting the raise, getting all the money, getting the house, the car, the stuff, right? Like having it all. Everybody would be looking at Elijah and go, he's got to put together. It, d- doesn't depression work this way? That oftentimes when people are looking on the outside, you go, they must have it all together. They look at your family and go, that family looks so great. You guys must be perfect. They look at your Instagram and they heart it. They're like, everything must be going just fine. And the truth is, Elijah has crawled under a tree and he's begging God to kill him. And I thought, why? I wonder why. Well, it's obvious that so often this is how it works with us. You ever been in a moment? You ever been in a moment where you say to yourself, this isn't the way life's supposed to be? You ever been in that moment where you look at your life and say, 2020 wasn't supposed to be this way? I couldn't dreamt that up. My life wasn't supposed to be like this. My marriage wasn't supposed to be this way. I was supposed to get into that job or that college. I wasn't supposed to get divorced or get sick. I wasn't supposed to lose a loved one. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. And see, with Elijah, what we failed to see is that it wasn't for him about if God showed up on the mountain. It's that he had an expectation about what would happen after God showed up. He had this idea that once God showed up, what would happen is Jezebel would be like, you're right. And the whole nation would celebrate him and he'd come in this triumphant hero. And all this time that he'd been wandering around talking about God, looking like a fool, he'd be redeemed and the world would say, Elijah, you know, they'd chant his name. And Jezebel's like, no, I'm gonna come kill you. I don't like you much. I'm glad your God showed up. It didn't turn out the way that Elijah thought that it would. And I'm not pretending that this is the only source of despair and depression. It certainly isn't. But I do know that in this season, this global pandemic, the reality is we can all agree to this. This isn't the way last year was supposed to go. Right? Nobody saw this one coming. One year ago, this weekend... So what do we do? Like, what do, what do we do when we find ourselves in these seasons where we realize life isn't going the way we are, that it's supposed to go, when we find ourselves under a tree of despair, when we're asking God for whatever reason, God, take me, take me, what do we do? Elijah started a journey that I think may speak to us. First thing, first thing that he does, you notice that he doesn't stay under the tree. Something 
triggers in his mind. We've had these moments where something triggers, right? Something triggers in his mind and he has this thought, you know what I need to do? I gotta get up from out from underneath this tree. I need to go to Mount Horeb. Now, now if you read past this really quickly, you, you kind of miss, there's something, there's a little nugget for us. There's a little nugget for us. See, Mount Horeb, this was the place where God spoke to Moses, right? And changed his life forever in Exodus. Mount Horeb, this is the place where God came down and he talked with the children of Israel. He made covenant with them. See, Mount Horeb was always known as a place that God once was. And you see it in Elijah, this thought comes to him and he thinks, I've got to get out from underneath of this tree of despair. I don't know where to go. I'm gonna go back to where God once was. You know, I've had people ask me about why have we worked so hard to get us back in this space? Why, and some of you are being asked, why do you show up? You know why we've been doing this for 2,000 years, gathering as believers? It is because I'd certainly really like to hear Carrington and Christina sing. I like to hear them. Yeah, I like to hear them. But listen, the reason why we shouldn't forsake the gathering is because for many of us, this place represents something. This represents a space where it's almost like Steve talked about how the Celtics would talk about certain spaces in the world that it seems like it's a little bit thinner between here and heaven. It almost feels like that sometimes when we walk in these spaces through a song or a sermon that the space between me and God is a little bit thinner. The reason why we've tried so hard to get back together is because lots of us have sat through a season and we're just trying to get back to a place where God once was. Maybe if I go back there, he'll be there again. And look, I'm not saying that God only moves inside the walls of a church, that's ridiculous. But I also know that inside the walls of this church, that many of your lives have been changed. And, and that was true for Elijah. He says, I know, I have to get myself back to a place where God once was. When you find yourself underneath the tree of despair, do you know a great start is to ask yourself, where was the last place where I felt like I was with God? I need to go there. Where was the last place? here and maybe some of you are like I'm not sure but that's why coming here and gathering together really matters you know what happens when we're in spaces like this is you see me up here hollering or Carrington singing or someone across the row and you don't know if you have enough faith to get out from underneath the tree of despair but you know we we get to borrow from each other when we're collective like when we're here together we can borrow some faith from each other we can spread a word of hope to one another that's why this matters so much he journeys back he journeys back said, I know God was there once. I'm going to go back there. And it's interesting because when he, once he gets there, once he gets back to where God once was, the journey through depression 
wasn't over. Because that isn't really how it works. It's not like, hey, do this next thing and it all just gets wiped away. This isn't how it works. He, he, he goes back to where God once was and the Bible tells us that he goes from a tree of despair, he actually goes into now a cave of depression. He's now in a cave, in a mountain where God once was. And I sometimes think that can be more confusing than just being under the tree of despair. It's like, I, God, I, I went back to where I thought you were and he's in this cave. And the Bible goes through at length, great length, to tell us that he was so depressed he couldn't eat and he couldn't think. And, and this is what depression does. It does blind us. Depression can begin to distort how we see things. Anxiety can make us think thoughts like, I wonder if I'll ever be unbroken. I wonder if this will ever go away. I wonder if this thing, this brokenness in me, this brokenness, and this, you can see it, Elijah's in that cave of depression, and he, he stays in this cave of depression, and he stays, but listen to me. If you found yourself in a cave of depression, it isn't what God has intended for you. It wasn't for Elijah. The Bible tells us that in 1 Kings 19, that he came into this cave and he lodged in it. And then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, to Elijah. God says, Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing in here? What are you doing in here? It's as if God's going, you're not supposed to be in this cave. But this is what depression does to us. I was thinking about where Elijah finds himself and where some of you find yourself. And I think the best metaphor is that when you have struggled between the tree of despair and the cave of depression, and some of you, man, you have been on this journey for a long time. Man, you just, it's like, Parks, you have no idea. I have, there is a trail, a well-marked trail between the tree of despair and the cave of depression. For some of you, you've been in this for so long that the best metaphor is you're at the end of your rope. And you're hanging by a thread. Elijah was hanging by a thread. Do you know what Dallas Willard says God's address is? Dallas is a, he's, he's since passed to go with the Lord. He's one of the greatest theologians. He said, you know what God's address is, right? It's at the end of your rope. If you're at the end of your rope, God's gonna meet you there. This is what he did with Elijah. He meets him at the end of his rope. And I know, I know, I know what it feels like to sit in this cave and think, I'll never be right, I'll never be fixed. It was 2016, it was actually the same summer that I took uh, daily to school. I'd gotten a respiratory infection. And um, I think it was like some crazy 
like SARS. I don't know. It was nuts. I got really sick. And um, I got a call from a friend in the middle of my sickness. He said, hey, man, you know the Syrian refugee crisis? I'm like, I do. He's like, well, I'm working the Calais refugee camp in France. It's a pop-up refugee camp, 10,000 Syrian refugees. It's not an official refugee camp. Do you want to come over, see it, and then we got to figure out something to do? I'm like, yeah. And I tell Chrissy, and she's like, bro, you, you can't get on a plane. I go, I got to get on a plane. I got to get on a plane. If you know me, it's like, I got to go. So I'm like, I'm going. I get my ticket. I get on the plane. I'm, I'm, I can't hardly breathe. So I'm an idiot. But I get on the plane. I fly over to Europe. I get off the plane in Brussels. <clears throat> and I'm like, I'm not right. My buddy's like, you ready to go to, to the refugee camp? I'm like, do you think we could have just like one night? I got to get a little bit of rest. So I go to a hotel. I wake up the next day and I can't breathe. He's like, you can't breathe. I'm like, bro, I, I, I literally can't breathe. So they take me to uh, a doctor. The doctor's like, you have, a, you, have a, you have something in your lungs, like in your chest, like you, you're, you, this isn't good. And I'm like, I know, I gotta go to a refugee camp tomorrow. <laughs> He's like, you can't go to a refugee camp tomorrow. I'm like, I have to go. I did not fly all the way to Belgium to stop here. He's like, okay, so he shoots me up with some steroids. And um, by the next morning, I wake up in the middle of the night after getting shot up with all these drugs. And now, not only can I not breathe, I start having these weird heart palpitations. I don't know what they are. I start tripping out. Like, I mean, tripping out. I call the, my buddy, I'm like, I think I'm dying. <laughs> He's like, what? You're dying? I go, I don't know. My heart's going crazy. I think it's going to explode. I just think it's my time. You remember uh, Fred Sanford from back in the day when he's like, I'm coming home. That's what I felt like. I'm like, I'm coming home. And it wasn't being, I mean, it's funny now, but at the time it was like, I really thought I was dying. So they rushed me to the hospital. The doctor does all the things and does the stuff. And they have really nice hospitals there. And he says, you're not dying. You are having uh, he goes, one, you're terribly ill and you're having what's called a panic attack. And I've never had one. And I'm like, I'm having a panic attack? I go, you saying that makes me have a panic attack. <laughs> so I'm freaking out. He, he sends me home. Chrissy calls. Now, add on top of this that after the refugee camp, that uh, what Chrissy and I were gonna do is celebrate our 20th anniversary. She was gonna meet me over there. And I'm, she's like, well, do you think I should come? I'm like, yes, yes, because I gotta go to the refugee camp. I mean, I'm dying. And I'm like, I gotta go there. And then we have to do our 20th anniversary. So she flies over. I'm a hot mess. I haven't gotten out of the hotel in four days. All I've been doing is watching one movie on repeat. I don't know with those of you that have struggled through anxiety, but for me, I found a movie. And it was, it's such a, it's Robert De Niro and The Intern. It brought me such joy. I just played it a hundred times. I watch it and it make me feel better. I, to this day, when I start feeling anxious, I literally, I've watched that movie so many times there's royalties pouring in to Robert De Niro because of me. So she flies over. I'm a hot mess. Long story short is she's like, bro, we have to go home. I get to the airport. I'm crying. I'm, I'm in between like panic and crying and weeping. I get to the counter. The, 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 the lady is like, we've got you at the back of the plane, basically in the tiniest little seat. I'm like, I can't be on a tiny seat. I can't, I can't be on a tiny seat. I don't know if you know this. You probably don't. I now have panic attacks. <laughs> I'm messed up. And my brain kept saying, and you're never gonna get fixed. 
Like, that's what got weird for me. Like, when I'm being, and I'm being dead serious, something triggered, and I remember walking through Frankfurt's airport going, oh, you're broken. Oh, you did it. You did it now. You just broke yourself, and it's never gonna be unbroke. And then I would start crying, and then I'd get a panic attack, and then my brain would say, see? And then it would just be this vicious cycle. For six months when I got home, I suffered through deep panic. And the thing that I remember, the hardest thing for me to wrestle through was, you're never going to go back to normal. It kept playing in my brain. You know, when we begin to speak about mental health issues, some of you in this room right now, you know, you know. You're like, oh, I've told myself that story, Eric, 152 times. I'm not gonna ever be unbroke. I do all I can, I am not gonna be unbroke. You, it causes you to go deeper into the cave, to pull yourself out of community, to remove yourself from people, you think you're doing other people a favor. I know, I know, I've been there. And in Elijah's story, he comes back to where God once was, and then something miraculous happens. He gets up out of the cave. God says, I, I need you to come out here, I have to show you something. He says, go out, stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But listen, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. And after the wind, there was this earthquake, but, but the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord wasn't in the fire. See, so often when we're dealing with, with our mental health, we'll think, for me to be, be fixed, to hear God, to get back on track, it's going to take a miracle, like shedding of a mountain, the breaking of rocks, like a fire that consumes. And this is what God's telling Elijah, I know you think that's the only way that I move, but is there a chance that you've missed one small thing? And after the fire, there was the sound of a lowly whisper. And he was in the whisper. See, deserts are interesting. Street corners of Chicago in the middle of the hustle and bustle, you can't hear a whisper. In rooms like this, with everybody talking, you can't hear a whisper. In most of our normal lives, in our workspaces, we can't hear a whisper. But in deserts, we can. And could it be that in the middle of your desert, just by listening, we might hear the faintest voice from God. And maybe for some of you, 
You haven't walked out of the cave of depression just to listen. But listen, all I'm saying is maybe it's just enough to listen. And, and maybe today, my only job is to say to you in a voice a little bit louder than a whisper that God isn't through with you yet. Listen, if you've been traveling back and forth between the tree of despair and the cave of depression, God hasn't forsaken you. He still loves you. He's not done with you. Your story isn't written yet. You're not done yet. Listen, he wants you to know this. If there's ever a message where I'm like, God, speak through me. He's speaking to you through me. He's saying, I'm not done with you. What are you doing in this cave? Come out here. Come out. Come out. The reason why we paint on the door, anyone and everyone, is we are going to be a place where we say, hey, come on out. We're with you. We'll walk with you. We'll go beside you. You don't have to be all right. You just have to be you. And that's all right. And let me remind you of this. Jesus isn't done. His whisper can be heard in the desert. He's not done with you. And don't forget who you are. One, you are a beloved child of the Most High God. You are not broken beyond repair. You are a beloved child of the Most High God. He loves you. He knows you. Number two, you come from a long line of desert people. If you're a follower of Jesus and you're walking through the desert, it won't kill you because you were made for this. You come from Abraham, who was a desert nomad, the children of Israel who wandered around for 40 years. We could argue why they did, but either way, they did. Jesus started his ministry in the desert. You come from a long line of desert people. You're going to come alive in this desert because it's in the desert that God speaks. Remember, Trevor taught us just a few weeks ago. The desert is known in the Hebrew as Midbar. The place that God speaks if you're in the desert. You're one whisper away from hearing God's voice. You're one whisper away. We are with you. He is with you he is not done with you. Let's stand up. Let's pray. Let's sing. God speaks in a whisper, but let me tell you something. When chains begin to fall, that makes some noise. When chains begin to fall off of us, that makes some noise. And let me say this. If you struggled, if you struggled, don't you dare wear those chains like they're jewelry. They're not jewelry. You let them go. Listen, you let them go. You let this go. Now listen, we put together some resources because we want to be this kind of place where together we walk in freedom. So number one, three things I want you to do. 
If you struggled with depression or anxiety or despair, you go to our website. We've put a list of counselors in the community that we believe in that might be the first next step for you to begin to discover God's voice again. We've also put some resources on that page where you can download some books, find some resources to put in your life. But I'm gonna call you to that heartland.cc. Secondly, this week, I'm gonna be posting on my Instagram each day just some soul care ideas. Things that you can do, simple stuff that you begin to do to pull yourself out of the cave of depression so you can hear God's voice clearly. And then the third thing, for those of you that this isn't your struggle, it's why I wore this t-shirt. You good, sis? You good, fam? Look, we have to be a place where we look at people and say, hey, are you good? No, 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 for real, you good, fam? You good, bro? You good, sis? Like, you okay? We have to be the kind of place where we look at each other and go, hey, what can I do? How can I pray? What do you need? Listen to me. You're not in this alone. You're not in this alone. We're gonna walk alongside you. And here's the greatest promise. The greatest promise of scripture isn't that we don't go through struggles. And sometimes we walk between the tree and the cave. It's that in every moment, he is with you. It is the great promise of scripture. And we will walk with you too. So resources on the website. Come follow me on Instagram and let me pour some life next week into you. And lastly, let's do that for each other and ask, are you good? Amen? Next week, we're going together back in this room and some of you are like, well, what is a Forest City Worship Weekend? Well, I guess you'll have to come and find out. I, um, I was here when we raised this roof. I wouldn't mind just raising it a couple more inches again next week. It's going to be so, it's going to be so, so good. You've been listening to lead pastor Eric Parks with part four of the series titled Desert Sessions. You can experience the entire online service by going to heartland.cc and clicking on the watch page or go to our YouTube channel at Heartland CC Rockford and you can also watch it on the Heartland CC app. Thanks for listening.